Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. Today we're featuring a special tech stack issue where we're interviewing Todd Gallett, head of partnerships from Podcorn. This podcast seeks to answer the question, when should you start advertising on podcasts? Todd is going to tell you that it's sooner rather than later, given what they bring to the table with the Podcorn podcast ad network. This podcast is filled with insights on how to best advertise on podcasts, when to advertise on podcasts, and how to make sure that you pick the best podcasts that are going to provide you with the best return on your investment. Hope you enjoy it on the show. You pretty much can own listenership in a certain category, and I think that's really powerful. So I think that this is the time for brands to begin learning and testing in some of these shows because I think there still is this kind of opportunity for exclusivity, which is very difficult in a lot of other mediums, right? So I think that is a really exciting chance for people to get in and see what's working and then lean in heavy. And I think that's where people have had the most success. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for a lot of these DTC brands to see what works for them and then, you know, have a long-term strategy there. Welcome to the D2C podcast, Todd. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is awesome. Now, what do people most often get wrong about podcast advertising? I think the biggest thing that people miss when considering podcast advertising is that it's all about the big notable shows. You know, I think similar to influencer marketing, right? It's early days. It was all about getting on with that big influencer, that big name. I think similar misconception is with podcasting still, that you want to get on that biggest show possible to get the max distribution. But oftentimes they kind of miss the massive ecosystem of mid and long tail podcasters that have these really dedicated audiences and oftentimes no sponsorships. So it's just a, a much bigger opportunity, though the audiences are more niche and smaller. There's this opportunity to scale more efficiently and effectively. And I think that's oftentimes missed. The second thing is this idea that um, providing kind of a uh, script to to host is going to get across that same authenticity as you know sending them product, having them be ambassadors of your product, and doing a much more kind of organic uh, endorsement. Um, seems to be the way that the industry is trending, but I, I still push back on that. And I think it's still better to find hosts that already use or love your products or can send them product to try first, and have them be a little more unscripted in uh, their engagement with their audiences and really leverage their relationship uh, with those listeners. I love it. And they go hand in hand. Well, most of our audience are performance marketers. So the idea of spending $100,000 or $50,000 on a single show or more potentially in some of these cases where you have to hope that the, the relationship between the host is the right and they, that you're going to have the right type of content versus performance marketers would you know love this idea, I imagine, of being able to test a lot of smaller shows uh, in order to basically make that up. And then you have a lot more opportunity to optimize. Is that something you're seeing? Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely take a bottom up approach. I think when you look at the ecosystem, or as listeners begin to do their due diligence in podcasting, oftentimes the networks are a top down approach, right? Like they have their premium shows, or they want you to buy across network at at a premium. Whereas we take that bottom up uh, up approach, like you said, let's go for the mid and long tail shows that are in the niches of these products and learn the messaging that works, the audiences that work best, et cetera, and be able to then scale the budgets upwards. That's what's been really effective. And also it's much easier to drive an ROI on a show that costs $500 or 
$100 than it is a show that costs $50,000, right? So there is definitely a, a cost effectiveness and efficiency to uh, leveraging the long tail and then always being able to, you know, work your way up in budget to some of those more premium shows, which I think work better from a branding perspective than, you know, necessarily like a performance perspective. What do you mean by mid and long tail in the world of podcasting at this time? Like what, what sort of qualifies your tranches of, of sort of size in the podcast world? I would say probably anything under 25,000 downloads per episode, which in the podcast is still a decent size. I think the most scale is probably in that five to 10,000 downloads per episode range. I think that's where we like to be, where it's a big enough audience where you're still seeing you know, uh, a number of impressions and even at a relatively small conversion percentage are still moving the needle uh, on conversions, um, but can still reach a big enough audience. So that's kind of where our sweet spot is. I would say anywhere between, let's say, five and 10,000 downloads. As you start getting into, you know, the 10, 15, 25,000, those start to be like decent sized podcasts in the world of podcasting. It's, it's nowhere near YouTube or Instagram where people have millions of, of downloads. It's still a growing space. I think when you go below that, it's where it can still be really impactful, but those are like the really niche podcasts, right? Like if you're looking for a medical podcast or uh, a doctor or something like that, you might have 500 listeners that are really perfect for a particular brand. Um, so I think the kind of, you know, mixing in both, I think is really where we try to be, you know, any of our packages usually contain a mix of like 10 or 15, where we kind of mix those 500,000, 5,000 to your exact point. We want to test and see where the sweet spot is for each individual brand. You know, not every brand needs like an expert in the space. Sometimes they just want to reach males, you know, 30 plus who are interested in sports. Uh, and that could be a little broader of an audience. So, you know, with these bigger shows, you're managing one relationship with one of these, you know, Joe Rogan type characters. And if he loves your product, you've got it made. Uh, you know, you're advocating with your second major point there that you want to have this more organic um you know, influencer or ambassador type relationship with, with your podcast hosts. How is that something, is that more difficult to manage at scale when you're dealing with hundreds of shows instead of maybe d dozens of shows? How does that get managed at scale uh, with, with the hosts? No, absolutely. And that's the nice thing about what we built as far as our marketplace platform and everything kind of leverages off of that. So it can be difficult to herd cats when you get, you know, 20, 30, 40 people that you're working with individually you know, and we'll get into this a little bit about our background, but our expertise is really in managing supply and demand on an open marketplace, right? So that's our experience. And, you know, we brought that to podcasting because it really didn't exist in the space. Everyone was really just focused on the top name talent, like you had mentioned, um, where there wasn't really a, an ecosystem or a marketplace to not only outreach and find the right podcast, but then our platform allows us to easily manage the communications, the delivery, the, um, uh, making sure all the content goes live, how many impressions they have, all of that payments, all of that is actually managed through our marketplace, um, which allows it to be really scalable. So we actually have two opportunities where a brand can do it themselves or our managed services, which takes even more work off the plate of these, of most of our, you know, our clients where uh, at a certain budget level, we actually do everything for them. So it becomes very scalable for them. Our team leverages the platform and becomes kind of the point of contact. So we have clients that hire hundreds of podcasters at any given time. Interesting. Okay, now let's go dive into your background again. Mention uh, what, what was the experience that caused you to realize that the amazing opportunity in the podcast ad network space? So our uh, myself and the two founders, we actually started the first marketplace for YouTubers back in 2013. So 
similar to the evolution of the influencer marketing, right? Where early days of YouTube or Instagram, it was all about the big celebrity influencers, if you will. But at that time, there really was no process for micro and nano influencers, which is where things ended up progressing. So we actually created the first marketplace back in 2013 for YouTube, which we ended up selling to YouTube in 2016. And during our time at YouTube, we kind of were watching the explosion of podcasting. And ironically, we saw the exact same evolution again happening, right? You had the biggest shows rising to the top. Networks were, you know, were consolidating those big names. Um, and then once again, left out was this plan of how do we reach the smaller podcasts or the, the future celebrities, right? You know, a year from now, it's going to be the podcast that has 5,000 downloads now that will be the new big name. So we actually sought out to kind of fill that gap. Uh, in the podcasting space, which we feel is kind of on the same trajectory as influencer marketing. Um, and there was a real need for that. So once we launched our platform, it was pretty crazy how quickly uh, all of these shows kind of wanted on board. We, you know, we now have over 50,000 shows, but it was pretty instantaneous where we were able to start you know, picking up a lot of that ecosystem because they're eager to find brands and to work with brands and vice versa. A lot of brands you know, weren't able to find the types of shows that they needed at scale. So we kind of fit a real, real nice place in that, uh, in that ecosystem. So you come in and you've got a product and then do clients come in with an idea of, okay, we want this kind of podcast. And then you do a, a search by keyword. How do you actually put together the portfolios of, of podcasters that are, you know, sort of targeted for advertisers? It's exactly that, right? So it's very similar to how they're buying media today or any of the advertisers are currently doing is basically it could be audience targeting. So it's either male, so it's gender, age, uh, et cetera, or it could be topic and interest, right? So, or a combination of both, right? So the more specific and niche you get, as you can imagine, the audiences get smaller. If you're looking for you know, yoga podcasts with females 35 plus, might be smaller. But as you broaden your targeting, you can have a much bigger audience, right? So it really is based on the needs and targeting of each individual brand. So they'll come to us with, um, an idea of who their target buyer is based on audience uh, demos and interest in targeting. And then we, exactly, we can uh, put that all into our admin tool where it'll surface all the shows that are, are relevant based on whatever that keyword searching or uh, audience information. And then we can instantaneously reach out to all of them to see if they're interested, available, fit your budget, already use their products. So we do that extra layer based on the marketplace. We're able to get that extra layer of validation from each of the hosts to make sure they're a perfect fit. And then we typically come back to the brand and then show them what that vetted list looks like so we can make sure that we're totally aligned with what we're going to market with uh, before we go into production. Then the brands can, we could help facilitate sending them product and getting them to try it, so on and so forth. But we actually make it a pretty seamless uh, and scalable solution for most brands. I wanted to ask, like with, uh, you know, iOS 15 just came out today. Uh, so I think open rates on, on Apple devices are, are going to be going away. That's something we're factoring in in this week's newsletter send. Uh, iOS 14.5 obviously has ma uh, massive ramifications for how people are attributing their e-commerce sales to these social media platforms. This is, this is kind of setting you up here, but like, I, what is the temperature you're getting with D2C brands who are coming over for podcasts? In my world, I'm seeing more and more people have more budget for these things that is basically essentially getting freed up because they can no longer attribute it to Facebook. Is that something you're seeing? 100%. Yeah, I mean, literally just today, I'm having calls about people looking at Q4 in the holidays to put more budget towards podcasting um, to be able to scale this medium a little bit more. So, I mean, it's it's definitely been top of mind for a lot of our clients that are going to be leaning more in for the holidays. Um, one, because it can tend to be pretty cost-effective and scalable and with still you know a, a decent amount of attribution. You know, it's not... 
Facebook attribution, but the ability to target now in a cost-effective way is a big opportunity for a lot of brands that, that haven't been spending a lot in this space. And, and attribution is still accomplished through the relatively low-tech methods of dedicated URLs uh, that, that, are, that go to each podcast. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Coupon codes, vanity URLs. Um, there are third-party solutions as well that offer um, like pixel tracking and, and like more IP tracking that could be even a little more granular to track point of listen to conversion. Um, so those solutions are available as well. But for the most part, it's still, like you said, kind of baseline would be uh, vanity and coupon codes. Yeah. We, we recently just had um, Omigo, the, uh, the bidet company on, and they were talking about doing some big podcast testing. And they had a story where they did a big podcast. They did a big investment. I think it was you know 20 or 40K or something. And they did not see results immediately they they didn't and they actually kind of chalked it up to okay this was a failed test it didn't quite work um but then you know this all happened pre-pandemic and then within the first few months of the pandemic they obviously as a as a bidet company had a big rush of people went with the toilet paper shortage which was the single greatest news item for them that year um and but what they found was that a huge percentage of the people who were coming through had the promo code given to them on the podcast. So it was even I think it was I think three or four months after the fact. It, it's just like the the connection that had been made on that podcast was enough for people to come back to them and, and have brand recognition when they uh, you know when it, when they realized they had the need. And what do you consider like an attribution window on on podcast advertising generally? Yeah, definitely it has a little bit longer tail uh, engagement than social, you know, like the passive kind of Instagram or something like that, which is really like a single post and you swipe it over or even, you know, just paid advertising on social. Uh, podcasting typically has at least a 30 day window, sometimes longer. Again, depends on the type of content, right? So some content is evergreen. You, if you go on a true crime podcast, that podcast is evergreen, right? People start podcast series or like true crime series at any time and they go back and they listen to episode one to episode 10 of a series. So there, there's a lot of opportunity based on the type of content to have long tail value where, you know, it'll be on there in perpetuity where people will find and engage with that content um, long term. But I think even in the, you know, the episodical weekly types of um, lifestyle content, I think, like you said, it's all about that relationship. So even though they might not want the bidet product today, that relationship and that engagement and that ambassadorship of having the host talk about it and usually have some sort of evergreen relationship, I think is really valuable, right? So you don't have to be pounding your message down every single episode. But I do think that the brands that are really successful, find a show that has a really good connection, and then have a, a long term relationship with them, you know, it's once a month or whatever it is to have, you know, your messaging kind of continuously, um, you know, repeated to, uh, to that listener. So I think there is an opportunity to have kind of these long tail relationships with uh, the right show. If you think about it, like just like you know, I, I'm not in the market for new tropics, but if I was, I would I would go to Alpha Brain first, just because I know that's something that you know Joe Rogan talks about on the regular, um, and so you can see how how that level of branding is going to work better than something you saw in an ad. Oh, 100. I think of the the there was a wine client that I had, uh, one of my biggest clients, and they were they were working on a lot of shows. But again, when you talk about like finding Joe, when Joe Rogan uses a product it's really, really effective, right? Like, cause again, audiences can tell when he talks about a product organically, just in conversation in the show versus the pre 30 second pre-roll spot, right? Like, so that, so really the goal, like you said, is finding independent of the size of the show is really finding that, that connection where, you know, the, the host really does like the product and oftentimes they'll bring it back up in non-paid opportunities, right? I actually had a host who was on another podcast 
and brought up uh, our brand. So like that's, you know, that's, it was free, like 500,000 impressions because the host actually brought up this product that she loved, this wine that she was drinking on a completely different show. Um, and that's obviously like gold for brands, right? When you really kind of, it truly is organic. I wanted to ask, like, you know, we, we talked with this toilet seat company and there were, you know, there's a lot of other toilet seat competitors. It's a very, you know, it's a, it's sort of an interesting space. And ideally you want to be the first of your competitor set in the podcast game. Like if you're, if your competitor set is not in the podcast game, you want to be that first one so that you can have that brand recognition potentially versus others. I wanted to ask like where, what categories of D to C e-commerce are you seeing the most, you know, the most pickup with on, on podcasts? Is it across the board or are there some verticals more than others? Uh, de- yeah, I mean, there definitely is pretty widespread um, engagement with brands. I think a lot of people are doing testing right now. I think we're still in that testing phase, which I think is an exciting opportunity for brands because to your point, there is this opportunity now to get exclusivity in categories, right? Like this is still the Wild West where you see a lot of these brands that you might hear a lot is because they're getting exclusivity on these shows for as long as you work with them, right? So you could be the only wine or health and wellness or fashion line or you know nootropic whatever it is cbd that's why you keep hearing these same brands is because they'll invest in a show and once they see a little bit of traction you have this opportunity now to be the only brand in that category on that show for the rest of the year so imagine doing that on 50 shows or 100 shows you pretty much can own listenership in a certain category and i think that's really powerful so i think that this is the time for brands to begin learning and testing in some of these shows, because I think there still is this kind of opportunity for exclusivity, which is very difficult in a lot of other mediums, right? So I think that is a really exciting chance for people to get in and see what's working and then lean in heavy. And I think that's where people have had the most success. I've seen alcohol being a big category, um, health and wellness products. Obviously, you mentioned like nootropics. There's so many that are out there. That's why I think it could be even more like biohacking is like a very big category in podcasting. So yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for, you know, a lot of these DTC brands to see what works for them and then, you know, have a long-term strategy there. And what's the upper limit? Is there an upper limit on the length of engagements that, that you see working for DTC brands? Like, is there a point when, when you burn out an audience? I guess it all depends kind of on how fast that audience is growing themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is frequency, right? So not necessarily that, you know, hitting them with a message I think is, you want to find the sweet spot of how frequently you're hitting them with that message. I think certainly what we find is that, you know, we'll do like three or four episodes as a test, you know, uh, within 45 days. So it's maybe not every episode, but we do, you know, two on one off, whatever that frequency is. And usually you'll see like pretty quick traction within the first episode or two, you can see if a show is working. And I think from there, it's just finding a sweet spot of how much is, yeah, are you getting incremental? Are you getting like incremental values or diminishing return, right? Do you need to have the message every single episode or can you go down to one episode a month? and still get the same uh, return on those audiences. So I think that's really where people kind of find that sweet spot on working with these. I think there's massive upside in the number of shows, right? So there's, you know, there's still a lot of upside there to scale in similar types of shows, right? So Joe Rogan, but then there's a lot of other, you know, host-driven sports-related content, right? So there's so many shows that you could test on that you know, may or may not have massive overlap that you can reach new audiences that have similar demos. I think that's where you begin to scale and test is 
just finding similar shows that that might not have a lot of overlap in the audience. So obviously, uh, the the source of truth for for, for these buys is going to be you know the both the uh, promo codes that come back, potentially the after purchase surveys that people can kind of catch attribution with as well. And then on your side, what what data are you providing about about listens or, or audience sizes or number of people reached? Is that all included in on your side of the platform? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we provide top line. So typically, we'll provide like the top line data. You know, number of uh, delivered impressions or downloads, you know, whether it's a stream or, or a download. Um, and we can get a little more granular based on the um, RSS feeds. You could do like geography and some kind of baseline device. Like there's some granular stuff, but a lot of it, like I said, is just point of listen data. Anything down funnel as far as conversions is pretty much tracked on the client side. So our campaigns are all uh, impression driven. You know, it's everything is kind of CPM driven. And then typically it's in combination with our clients that we really get into the data as far as cost per conversion and, and et cetera. Um, and I think that's where my most successful clients have had this really kind of transparent relationship with us where, you know, we kind of regularly check in and see which shows are working, which shows are cost effective from a conversion perspective. And then we can optimize based on that, that, uh, that information. So we can shuffle out shows that aren't working and, and lean into shows that are. And I think that's where we've had you know, the most success long-term with a lot of our DTC clients. So the other side of podcast advertising is, I, again, let, I think about Joe Rogan. I think about him going from these long rambling commercials that he do at the beginning of, of every commercial uh, to now just like starting it off, going right to it because Spotify will play their commercials, those sort of canned commercials. What, what are the, what are, what's the difference between those? What are, what are those called, the, the actual canned ads in podcasts? And I, I, I just imagine they don't work nearly as well as more native reads. Is that the case? In my opinion, yeah. So there is definitely a uh, a split in the mar- in the ecosystem, if you will. Um, many providers are leaning towards the dynamic insertion ads, like you said, whether it's produced or even host read. A host like Jerome can pre-record and then still dynamically insert the ads, like you said, like three or four of them right before the episode starts. Those tend to be highly skippable, right? It's scalable, and but it's not as organic or, or endemic to the content. We lean the other direction, which is more baked in, organic, et cetera. So again, there's kind of that split in the marketplace where a lot of networks like to sell you dynamic because they want to fill as much inventory as they can, right? Like you have a certain amount of impressions on Joe Rogan. Every brand might not be able to afford the entire lifespan of one episode, which might be 5 million impressions. They might want to just buy 50,000 impressions or 100,000 impressions. So there is a value for dynamically inserting ads, right, from both sides, also things like geo-targeting, and there's a lot of value in dynamic ads, but from an authenticity and a, and a skippability perspective, I think baked in, or at least, like you said, that kind of you know um, organic, like not so scripted type of engagement um, tends to convert better. And our goal is to make that still scalable based on the platform and all the things we talked about. Our goal is to make it still scalable enough for brands, but to really maximize that kind of relationship and, and authenticity with the baked in spots. The other thing is that, you know, what we try to lean into, which is great for DTC brands is go beyond just the 60 second host read endorsement. There's opportunities to do uh, interviews. Founder interviews, for example, is a great way. I mean, you think of all these founders who have great, not only founder stories, but can really speak to the, their brand and the history of the brand uh, in a long form way. Right. And that tends to work great. If you mix that on a show with, a f- two or three follow-up ads, uh, those are great ways to really engage with an audience. I think of uh, a lot of brands that are like sustainability, things that have like a real purpose are great opportunities for them to get on and speak to that, you know, for 30 minutes. I, I mean, there's, we help with those opportunities as well. 
That's really cool. And it, it just echoes across what we see on all other customer acquisition platforms. We were just, again, talking with Omigo the other day and their top ad creative, and I think their top landing pages are all based on the father-son story of starting this company. So I think that's a superpower that people kind of sit on a lot as Z2C founders is their own story and, and how the product came to be. Um, and podcasts are just, yeah, as you say, an amazing channel to uh, to kind of leverage leverage that story for, for conversion. And I always like leave people with saying, you know, social is great to sell your packaging, but podcasting is great to sell your messaging. Uh, if if I could leave people with, with that tidbit, copyright. Especially that. when you have products where you have yeah, we'll copyright that. Especially when you have products where you have to educate people, right? Yeah. Where it does require like like a bidet, for instance. I'm bringing up Amigo again, but the, like not you know people know what a bidet is, but like you know having someone contextualize it and talk about the first time they use it and why they like it, like that is just going to work so much better than any other form of ad. Um, so so if you're listening out there and you've got a product that uh, that sounds like it might be suited for podcasts. Uh, I, th- I think now might be the time to, to take the jump. I wanted to ask, are there any brands out there that you can call out that are just sort of killing podcast, not killing, but doing really well with podcast advertising? Yeah. I mean, again, I think of, like you said, the ones who have done a great job kind of scaling, like the Manscaped uh, is doing a great job, right? I mean, again, they're doing a great job, like just scaling across category, right? Like they have broad audience, um, but they're doing a great job, like getting their brand out there on the right shows and then optimizing for the ones that are converting and having consistent messaging. There's a new brand uh, that we work with called Liquid Death. Oh, no, um, Liquid Death, that's great. Canned water. Yeah, and the reason why I think they're doing a great job, they're they're still kind of getting into the space. But I think what they're getting is that there's not only like value in kind of consistent messaging on podcasts, like we talked about, but leveraging, which I think is an exciting opportunity, the video component of podcasting. A lot of times, people forget that. 50% of engagement right now on podcasting is on YouTube, right? There's a massive distribution there. And there's a great opportunity for brands to still leverage all the things we we're talking about, but still get that video component on YouTube where there's searchability and there's engagement and they could be holding your product similar to what you would be paying a YouTuber for, right? But at a fraction of the cost. And engagement on podcasting is actually still less expensive than if you went to a YouTuber to do uh, a YouTube ad. So there's a lot of value there to like mix medium, you know, video and audio. Um, so I think that's an exciting space. Um, similarly, like my client Usual Wines is doing a great job getting wine in, on these podcasts like we talked about um, and just going for shows of all different sizes and, and categories. Um, so there's, there's a ton out there. I mean, again, I, I bet anybody listening could think of brands that they think of as they've heard on podcasts and there's usually there's a lot of reasons why right probably because of consistency it's either the right fit or it was a consistent message and i think that's where a lot of times when i notice things is when it's not a fit when i hear when i hear a comedy podcast and they say like some business you know like life insurance thing or something (laughs) that actually strikes me as more awkward yeah so i always like notice those when i'm like oh this doesn't make any sense it's the ones that are like totally organic where you're like oh he definitely likes that product i think those are the ones that are the real home runs do they do the relationships ever uh, verge into like true ambassador type deals where there's more paid for performance or or things like of that nature or do do most of the time on on the podcast network just everything stays more of an ad type relationship yeah, for the most part to start, it's typically, like you said, like a CPM model, though I think long-term there's opportunities. Everything we do is, is host uh, or you know, team direct. So I think that there are opportunities long-term to strike you know, broader opportunities, or certainly brands will do kind of a, a hybrid, right? Like where you can do you know, a lower fixed cost with you know, an affiliate type of compensation. So I think there are certainly those opportunities. Um, 
and for our smaller shows where we are rolling out a completely performance-based uh, campaign opportunity, which I think is really exciting for, for all DTC brands. Uh, probably by early next year, we'll have, instead of just the straight CPM model, we'll have a completely pay-for-performance opportunity where we will be tracking conversions based on IP and uh, they can set a fixed cost per conversion, like a built-in affiliate model. So uh, there will be opportunities across the board. I think as you get to larger shows, similar to influencer marketing, they do want some sort of fixed compensation based on their their distribution and obviously, you know, attaching their name to it. So I think, again, there's opportunities based on budget and, and interest. Nice. As a side note, you've got to ask Liquid Death if they'll come on this podcast uh, <laughs> to, t- to talk about their podcasting yeah. experience or about other yeah. things. But if you mention to them, I'd love to invite them on because they're they're actually one of the one of our brands that we we've set our goals on uh, on having on. So oh, nice. I absolutely will. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very cool. Nice. I want to thank you so much for coming on today. If people want to, like, I think there's probably a lot of people in our audience interested in testing out uh, this bottom-up approach of, of podcast advertising. Where do you recommend they go? Feel free always to go to podcorn.com. Uh, really easy. It's free, actually. If you want to use a self-service at any time, they could go create a campaign, start receiving proposals. Um, or if uh, they want to uh, speak to myself or someone on my team about doing something a little more scaled or a little more curated, uh, there's a form on the website or they can reach me, uh, directly just Todd at podcorn.com. Easy enough. I think it's an area. A lot of people are interested in testing. We're going to be uh, testing some more newsletter and podcast advertising in Q4. Um, so I'm eager to, to kind of keep in touch and see how it goes. Thanks again for coming on Todd. This is great. Awesome, man. No, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumer, all one word, dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.